What is up, everybody? Welcome to the BT Podcast, hosted by BT Church. Thanks for hanging out with us. My name is Danny. I'm your host. Uh, and however you're tuning in, maybe it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. So excited that you are here. Uh, it's going to be a fun conversation today. Uh, and my challenge to you, if you love it, tweet about it, post it, share it with all your friends. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, and we're excited about having today's conversation. We have special guest Grant Skeldon, Next Gen Director of Q Ideas out in Nashville. Grant, say what's up to everybody, man. What to do. Man, so pumped to have you here. Uh, this weekend, Grant's uh, hanging out with us with our young adult uh, ministry, and they're just uh, going to be pouring into our students this weekend. And it's going to be a fun time of just having a conference. But right now, uh, we're going to get into uh, just a special and uh, really, I think, important conversation uh, when it comes to to young adults, to young leaders, to young believers. And the focus of today's episode uh, is looking at lies that young leaders often face or, or young leaders often hear, often, often have to wrestle with. And so we're going to talk about that. But before we kind of get into that, one thing I admire about you is that you often seek out young leaders, uh, young Christians who are uh, not specifically even within the church, but within different businesses or organizations living out their faith in those areas. Uh, and so I would love for you to kind of start off by, uh, by by telling us ways that you're seeing God move uh, in the lives of young leaders. Probably the biggest way is Gen Z, I feel like. Mm. Um we both got to attend the Q conference in uh, Nashville in April. And I feel like our parents' generation kind of tried to make church appealing to uh, those outside of the church. Right, yeah. And it can sometimes, though, come off as like, how do we make this a very desirable place to be? And what that made it often the shadow of that. Because I think every shift in the church is usually with very good intentions and actually reaches tons of people for Christ. So I don't ever think, I don't never want to criticize alone. There's good, but there are shadows to every shift. And I think the one shadow to that uh, seeker sensitive movement is it, it could make church a little more comfortable. And I think our generation millennials saw how comfortable church was and we mm. more wanted it a cause at the center of church. And yeah. so not as comfortable, even the pastors, a lot of young people were attracted to, um, and when I was young, it was like David Platt, Francis Chan, Matt Chandler, Mark Driscoll. These guys right, were really that. in your face. Um, I always say they were either shouting at you, crying, or maybe even <laughs> cussing at you. Um, they they make punch you in your stomach, but you're like, man, I want to be a better man, yeah. or I want to, I want to like be something more. I want to like God has called me to something higher. And so I say that to say it went from comfort to this cause and this like I want to change to. Uh, the one shadow I think to our generation is we probably try to make church or especially being a Christian too cool. Mm. Um, it's like, how do we also be engaging to the world, but to the degree that it's almost like you look just like the world. Um, and so right. what I am encouraged by in Gen Z is I feel like they uh, are really turned off by this idea of you can't be just like the world and change the world. Like what is different about you? And so um, there's not all, but many Gen Z leaders I'm seeing that are just old souls and they are, I would call it almost like revivalists, like Luke Lefevre yeah. is who I right, interviewed yeah. where um, I was just like so encouraged by his call to holiness. Um, he's called to like, let's not see how close to culture or what can we get away with and still be a Christian, but how far can we get away from what the world deems normal and really uh, set apart ourselves and see what happens when we truly are intimate with God. Um, and so I, I'm encouraged by that there and evangelism. Uh, our generation saw our generation leave the church. I think their generation has never known their generation in church. And so they have a little bit of a different uh, fervor, I think, of seeing their generation come to know Christ in the gospel. 
Man, that's good. I love that. Uh, and and we see that uh, calling <laughs> aspect, trying to live that out. You're talking about the Gen Z now, you know, seeing that there's this element of coolness to church. And a lot of times they just spot that out and they're like, yeah, I'm not really down for that. They're looking for more of that authenticity, so to speak. Uh, and, and sometimes what can happen, you know, looking at today's topic is in that calling, we get thrown off by that calling because whether it's it's, it's lies that the world brings at us, lies that the enemy throws at us. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to throw out a phrase uh, that we often maybe hear that that is affects the calling of a young leader or of a young adult. Um, and then we're just going to talk about the phrase. And so here's the first one we're going to bring out. Uh, you have to make a big impact now. Yeah, I, I think a lot of young people feel that urgency, yeah. especially I think the ones that feel it the most that are young are young singles outside of college. Uh, that that year after you've just graduated college is, and even that six months before you graduate college, I think it's very stressful. You spent a lot of the money, time, expectation. <laughs> right. yeah. You've been thinking and praying and dreaming of what you're going to be. And you realize I'm not getting any offers. And the only opportunities I'm maybe seeing are not even remotely close to what I actually am graduating with. And there's this pressure, I think, that happens that year and then the next year. And it just keeps building every year where you're like, uh, I've seen a lot of young people stall out where uh, they don't figure out what that God has called them to do, nor, and worse, they put a lot of pressure on themselves as they're looking at others that are figuring it out quicker right. than them. And so they feel like, man, I got to do something big now. And and probably the downside and faulty response is saying no to anything that isn't exactly what they want to do, where mm-hmm. it's like, this fulfills my passion and my purpose. And I always say like, no one gets to start in the job that is their passion and their purpose. Uh, if there was a on Twitter, there was this thing a couple of years ago. It was called uh, First Seven Jobs, and it was a hashtag <laughs> First Seven Jobs. Yeah. And they had a lot of people, normal people were doing it, but then celebrities even started doing it, where they would show what were your first seven jobs. And it's cool when you see celebrities because you see who and what they do, mm-hmm. whether it's a professional athlete or I, know, I remember it was like Ellen it was like was she worked at an ice cream shop, right. like her first thing. So you just don't see ice cream shop to. Well, now it's unfortunate. (laughs) It's like uh, Stephen Colbert. There was a a lot of, uh, I think like there was an astronaut who did it. And it it was cool to see like for an astronaut, none of them for the first seven jobs would have said, this guy's on the the trajectory to become an astronaut. astronaut, Um, And so I thought it was uh, pretty cool because I I think, um, yeah, I think if I look at my first job, which was at Marshall's, uh, I think everyone, even young, yeah, every young person should consider what was the best thing you learned actually from your first job. Mm-hmm. And I bet it has nothing to do with what you're going, like planning to do, but there's some values and there's some principles and there's some things that can be learned from that. And I would say every season, if you can learn something from, if I can learn something from Marshalls, the next job didn't look like I was going to be doing what I'm doing today. And so uh, my main point is that we should be evaluating what does it seem like God is trying to teach me that right. could be preparing me for the next season. Uh, well, we probably see that most is David and Joseph for me, where, I mean, he's doing some, he's a shepherd before he's a king. He, Correct. Um, he's doing some things that actually then made sense of what he would do in the future. And then Joseph, his trajectory never looks like, I mean, his wasn't definitely like night and day. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't look like you, you're going to be second in charge right. here. You're going literally from prison. To a palace, and so um, instead of asking like, "Am I where I want to be?" Because I think the biggest problem is I I think we assess our days by are we where we thought we would be by this age. I think we think about that regularly, even when we go to bed at night. It's like, 
man, is this where I thought I'd be in life at this age? And I just think that's the wrong question. I don't think it should be, is this where I thought I'd be? Because if you're a Christian, it's not about like where you want to be. And if you trust God and believe he's good and wants better things for you than you, the question should be, was I faithful today with what God gave me? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if we ask ourselves if we are where we thought we'd be, we're going to say no a lot, day after day after day. But if we ask ourselves daily, simply, was I faithful with what God gave me today? Right, that's good. There can be a lot more yeses, and those days do add up. Yeah, and I love that you brought up just David as a character, because obviously what David is widely known as is killing Goliath, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's his big moment, right? And that's the big impact that he made right away type of thing. Yeah. And I often love looking at how David got to Goliath because obviously he wasn't invited to the battle. Yeah. His dad was like, hey, can you take some some wheat, some 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 cheese. supplements, some cheese to yeah. your brothers? He had no idea who Goliath was or that Goliath was even going to be there. And then finally him getting there. And what I love looking at David's story is at that moment, he was already chosen as the next king, right? Mm-hmm. He had already been anointed, all yeah. that stuff. And I think I love David's response because you could have been like, I'm not going to go do that. Like, I'm the next king. Like, you go do it, dad, right? I'm, I'm going to send you off. Yeah. You don't send me off type of thing. But he's willing to serve his brothers. And that got him to that moment. I think looking at just that, like taking the faithful next step. Um, and we all want the Goliath moment, right? And I think that even looking at what a big impact could mean, because, you know, that can be in the church, that can be, you know, in the business world, whatever that looks like. Uh, but there's that big temptation. And, and I guess I have just a simple follow-up question with that first lie of, of you have to make a big impact now. Why do you think people put that much pressure on themselves? Why do people put pressure on themselves? I mean, I, th- I think if you look to your left and you look to your right and you see, hey, it seems like everyone else is getting to, mm-hmm. it feels like you're getting left behind. Um, I always say for young people, they're known for the uh, fear of commitment. Like they don't want to commit to something, uh, even on Facebook. It's like you were doing an event today and you do an event, you put on Facebook. I've seen events where it says eight people said yes, maybe 20 people said no, and then it'll be like 400 said maybe. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, how many people are going to come? We have no idea. It could be be the eight people... and none of the maybes say yes, or it could be 200. It could right. be 400. Yeah. Um, and our generation is just is really bad at commitment. But I always say bigger than the fear of commitment is the next generation's fear of missing out. Mm. And I think that FOMO or fear of missing out forces people sometimes and pressures people is probably the better word, pressures young people to force their hand and do things that they probably wouldn't have done faster than God intended, faster than they need to, been before they're ready for, and they bust down doors that God has not opened. And that's an exhausting place to be, I think, because I have been there, I'm sure you have, where it's like, this is a good thing, even a God thing. I'm just busting this door down quicker than God intends. And then when you get on the other side, you have to beg God and plead God for him to bless what's on that other side. And sometimes he'll save us, but I'd way rather have it where I'm going the, the pace that God wants. He busts down doors mm-hmm. often. Um, and then when I get to a hard place on the other side of that door, I'm like, God, I didn't even want to be in this room. You <laughs> opened the door to this room, so I need you to provide. And, right. and I think when he opens the door, he will provide what's on the other That's side. That's good. I love that. Let's look at the second lie right here. So first one, you know, you have to make a big, big impact now. So lie number two that we're going to talk about is you have to leave to make a difference. And by leave, uh, I guess clarify the, the idea of leaving, leaving a job, leaving a city. What does that look like? I think those are the big two. Um, sometimes leave a church too. Is I got to leave my church. I, I definitely see it where I was like, I got to leave my job. Uh, 
millennials, at least, I don't know what Gen Z is on, and we'll see that as they get continue to get older and get more jobs. But uh, millennials are on the trajectory to have 14 jobs by the age of 40. And so that's job hopping. The average young person uh, in their 20s doesn't plan on staying at their current job more than two years. And or even that church. could be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like they, there's a mentality of like, hey, if it's not doing you, you need to share your truth and quit. Right. And so yeah. like uh, there's just, yeah, this mentality of job hopping. And I, I just think if you think you need to leave to make a difference, um, you're always like climbing a ladder of some sort and you're never going to get to the top of the ladder if you constantly change where you're putting that ladder. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you, you, you're, you might be disappointed and even worse when you're like, oh, these guys are getting higher on the ladder. Show me someone who's getting higher on a ladder. I'll tell you someone who's like being consistent with where they're placing that ladder. Hmm. Um, you're not going to keep getting to start over and then be ex- think, oh, they're just going to like put you on an elevator instead. Uh, you have to climb that ladder. And mm. so, um, yeah, I just I just think a lot of this pressure of we got to leave. Uh, I actually am really big on this. I think that you should not leave the church you're at. You should not leave the city you're at. You should not leave um, the job you're at until, and ideally, you've made such a big impact there and contribution there that it would actually be significantly felt if you right. left. Yeah. Um, to me, that's when like you truly are giving a big, deal of who you are there and God calls us to leave sometimes and Mm -hmm. God transitions us sometimes like the Bible is a lot of transitions and people saying hey I want you to go here instead right Um, so it's not like leaving is bad I just think if you leave and it really doesn't change things it only actually hurts things uh it's a sign of how involved were you actually in like the Mm -hmm. solution um as well as that's just mostly for work I also want to say for city because when you're not from a really really cool city I, I found when uh, a lot of people wanted to plant churches. That was kind of the world I was in. Everyone wanted to plant churches in really cool cities. Mm-hmm. I almost never saw anyone that wanted to plant churches in cities no one has ever heard of. Um, and I, I was like, man, God must be hipster or something. Because, <laughs> dude, he only calls people to cool cities. Right, and coffee shops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I basically, I was just like, I think, what if, I don't know if you, have you ever seen the movie uh, It's a Wonderful Life? I haven't. I, I'm ashamed to say that because that's like a classic. Yeah, and yeah. it's an old school movie, but. Right. That is a movie about a young guy who can't wait to get out of his city. He mm-hmm. hates the small town he grew up in, but he's forced to stay because of certain circumstances. And he actually gets the wish to see what happens if he was never born. That's like the big pivotal point of like, he he gets to see what happens if he was never born and his entire city is impacted in mm-hmm. a very negative way. And he comes back after seeing how much his life actually mattered. And he's so excited, even though he's actually coming back to the very not great circumstances. That's why he made right. the wish where I don't yeah. wish I was never born. Like his life feels so bad, but now he's excited because he's like, man, I have made a huge difference, mm-hmm. even though it seems like all my friends have moved on and done big and greater things. And so I've actually always thought I want to be like a George Bailey enthusiast, which nice. is the main character, which is I want to commit to wherever I am. I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just moved from my city and I, I thought I'd be there for the rest of my life, but I, I did feel like God had called me to Nashville but I, I do know I made a contribution and still get to make a contribution to the to Dallas where I was from. And so I, I think plant really, really deep roots and God's gonna show favor on people that do that. Yeah, I read, um, I think it was a book called On Pastoring by H.P. Uh, Charles. Nice. And he made this statement. He said, pastors uh, often try pastoring three churches at one time. The church that they used to be at, the church that they're currently at, and the church they wanna be at. And that statement always just kind of like, it just always like 
kind of woke me up a little bit. Um, and, and I know that this statement, this lie that, that you have to leave to make a difference, um, it's huge where we are here in South Texas because even growing up here in high school, and this might be true for anybody who grows up in any town, yeah. is that you can't wait to leave that town. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I heard that, one, when I was in high school, two, when I was in student ministry, just students waiting to get out of McAllen, waiting to get out of the Valley, wanting to move north, San Antonio, Austin, Dallas, anywhere, anywhere north. Uh, and so, um, but then I think what happens there is, especially for believers, is the desire to leave often has a miss out on the call they have here right now. They got mm-hmm. it. Like God has them in that school. God has them here for a season. And yeah, like you said, if if you if you feel God calling you to leave, there's nothing wrong with that. But but what are you doing right now? Type of thing. And I think about uh, the Samaritan woman at the well in, in John chapter four, that she was obviously going through her difficult story, her difficult situation. Um, but yet as she encountered Jesus, as she accepted Jesus, then she went back to her very town to tell people about Jesus yeah. and we saw the impact that, that made. Um, and so, yeah, I think there's that, that tension that people wrestle with of, yeah, you leave, uh, um, or, or what are you doing with where you, like the time you have right now? Yeah. Uh, I think is huge. Um, and I so, want to ask a quick question. I want to see if this, if I'm, I might be totally off on yeah. this. When you think of the city or a small town, because I don't even think it's really a big city, mm-hmm. but the town of Waco, what do you think of? I see it as a bigger town. Mm-hmm. Uh, one because it's like the as a gigantic. It's not Dallas, right? It's not Dallas for sure, yeah. but but it's big. You know. So it, what do you think of when you think of Waco? Uh, I mean, I think <laughs> I think I think of uh, coffee shops, Bible studies, and you know Christians, and so it's a it's a, a, a extremely populated area of. Bible Belt people when yeah. I think of Waco. Yeah. When I think of Waco, I mean, Baylor is what right, I'm going to think of. Right. Uh, I'm going to think of Chip and Joanna Gaines. Yeah. Um, those are really the big two. I might think of JP and yeah. uh, and Harris Creek. But I think Chip, uh, most of the world in America, especially, I think would think Chip and Joanna Gaines. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, if you ask people across the country, people in Texas, maybe they know a little more of the Texas stuff there. Correct, yeah. But um, for people in Alaska, I think they'd say Chip and Joanna Gaines. It's mm-hmm. like the only reason they even know about Waco yeah. is because of Chip and Joanna Gaines. And I, I just think that's a great modern day example of two people that uh, people come to Dallas at least all the time. And they're like, hey, we're going to take one day trip, though, and get away where well, they'll stay with us. And they'll oh, I'd say one out of four, um, maybe two out, two out of four, where it's like we're going to go down to Waco. Right. And it's totally because they've Magnolia seen stuff Market. on Magnolia for Chip and Joanna yeah. Gaines. I'm like, I love, they have truly redeemed their city by mm-hmm. staying and they have invested time, invested money, very unique, creative ideas. I think like they are shifting the trajectory of a whole entire community and city on a national level because they they stayed, mm-hmm. um, even though they had, it would make a little more sense probably, especially with their connection to TV to be in LA um, than yeah. to be in Waco. Yeah. Uh, those connecting flights can't be fun. <laughs> Right, yeah, it's like there's no connecting vibe with Waco, probably yeah. the many places they want to be. I love that. All right, let's look at this next one. Um, everyone else is farther along than you are. Hash that out for us, yeah. And I think I kind of spoke on that is just our compass should not be, Am I where I thought I'd be? Mm-hmm. It, it definitely should not be, Am I where this other person is? Who right. cares? Like, yeah, who you think God cares? You think, like, you should not care. Why do you care? Um, are we're not our our measuring stick is not are we where others um, are. Uh, the Ephesians 4 1 says, Walk in a manner worthy of the calling in which you have been called. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us actually don't even try to walk in a manner. We try to run in a manner worthy of the calling someone else has been called in. Mm. And we waste a lot of time, I think, trying to be good at something we're not even called to be good at, like a certain gift 
to be in certain circles that God's not called us to be in. To I just think a lot of I think a lot of Christians waste a lot of good time doing even good things that aren't just the good things God's called them to do. Hmm. And um, it doesn't mean good things don't come out of it. I just think it's just not. There's a difference when you're walking in a calling worthy of the uh, walking in a manner worthy of calling God's called you in. That there's also a type of favor and blessing and God opening doors, God speeding up the pace. Like uh, we talk about waiting on the Lord and how slow God can be sometimes. But I've found when you are in the center of this is what your calling is and the gifting I want you to sharpen, I've seen God open doors really fast mm-hmm. and push people into places where like, man, I don't know if I'm ready to do this. Um, I personally think if you're not asking yourself regularly, how did I end up here? Um, then you're not doing it right. Like right. you, That's where I feel like I'm in the center of God's will where I'm like, I wouldn't have intentionally strategically gotten to this place. I don't even know how I kind of got here, but I can trace it back and I see God's fingerprints a lot. Um, but if you're like strategizing, cause you're like, this is what my friend did. And they, they bought uh, followers this way. And then they <laughs> did this and, yeah. and they start going to these meetings and networking and all this. And, uh, and I'm gonna do this connected. Like it's a very thin line of like, how do I just, I don't know. Like, how do I not strive? If you feel like you are striving instead of walking in a manner worthy than calling you've been called, then that's just so exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so relieving. Like the the easy yoke that God talks about, I don't think a lot of Christian leaders even know that feeling because they're pushing or putting pressure on them that's not even on them. It's for right. someone else. And they like the benefits of that job or that lifestyle or whatever it looks like. And so um, that would be the lie. And the truth is just, yeah, walk. Literally walk in a manner worthy of the calling and God will, I think, open the doors and try the rest. And I, I feel like that applies directly to the first one of making the big impact now because we are looking at people and I think obviously social media is a big one here because then we follow certain people and we see like, man, when they post a picture or video or a Devo online, like, and they get 300,000 views and when I post it, I get 30 views and then we start comparing and contrasting, which that's actually similar to what we talked about in the very first episode of the podcast uh, of that temptation of comparing yourself to somebody else. And, and I think a, a simple solution is um, to me that this is something that benefited me because you know I think we all fall in that, that we want to be where someone else is type of thing, mm-hmm. that pressure to perform, I guess. Um, it's just be careful who you follow on social media. And if it's somebody that like, like if you're trying to get to that person's level, maybe just unfollow that person just because like you shouldn't be striving to be that person. Like you said, it, it's striving to be one with Jesus and like Jesus type of thing. Um, and sometimes he has us where he has us. And, yeah. and that's... Being okay with that, I think, is such a good um, kind of feeling of a soul for, for us as we walk in this in this life. And so, yeah. um, and and you think about social media. Obviously, the people that you follow are probably farther along than you are. Uh, and so, maybe just for a season, either get off or unfollow whatever you need to do to kind of uh, really feed your soul in a, in a very um, you know Christ like way. Yeah. Everyone else farther along than you are. Lie number four. I think is our last one we're talking about today. Is this? is God has forgotten about you, so forget about him. How's that offer us? Yeah, I mean, that's just something we're seeing a lot of yeah. deconstruction and right. young people feeling like, how relevant is God to my everyday life? And Have you ever looked up uh, how many views the hashtag uh, ex-evangelical has on TikTok? It's like 300 million views, like just like Man. videos with that hashtag. Deconstruction is like 70 million, so it's still a lot. Yeah, uh, but you know, yeah, it's, nah, I have to check it out. Check it out. It's insane. But I yeah, <coughs> I just feel like um, 
I think part of this reason, I was talking to a guy in Nashville two weeks ago. He's in a Bible study. He just started coming and he's apparently does really well at music and songwriting. And I was asking what church he goes to. He says that he's not in church, but he just started going to this Bible study. And I asked, well, what kind of pushed you away from church? And he said, um, I've just been so faithful when I was in high school and in college. And then when I got here to Nashville, I just feel like God didn't help me in a lot of ways and certain bad things started to happen to me. And, um, and I do think he needed someone who could be compassionate and walk alongside mm-hmm. him because he was, he was hurting, but it did seem like it was the way he talked about it made it seem like God had not been a like door opener mm-hmm. and like genie almost to right. do like, Hey, the things that he since he see. didn't do what I, this is what I wanted to do. And he didn't open the doors for that. He's not here for me. Yeah. And um, I just, part of it is us feeling like God exists for us. Right. Um, and we don't exist because of him and for him. Uh, and that's just like poor preaching or theology that I believe he maybe had is like, mm-hmm. this may be hard if people don't like it today is like, his truth trumps our truth, right. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and then two, I think that, um, yeah, just the idea that uh, it. I think the 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 what is it? the American dream has really blended in with the gospel. So that's part of why is like this is my American dream mm-hmm. and my yeah, just what I really wanted to accomplish. And he didn't open the doors for that. And I feel like. Um, yeah, I don't think God's abandoned a lot of people. I think a lot of people think God is supposed to play a certain role that he's not supposed to play. And when he doesn't play that role, they feel abandoned. But it's not because God's like not there. It's just God is not existing for your purpose. Actually, I, this is probably something I say is, you know how like when we were growing up as Christians, I always felt like the thing I heard that was so negative is the prosperity gospel. Right. And these prosperity gospel preachers. Um, I actually am starting to think that those guys, I'm not really that worried about. And I don't even think that... Basically, I think what we have more in our generation is not prosperity gospel preachers. I would call them like purpose gospel preachers. Mm. And I would say, we, we how are you going to convince a generation that doesn't even care about money as much and they more care about a cause or changing the world? Like literally, statistically, Business Journal found that younger the younger generation is not motivated by money or raises, it doesn't motivate them like it used to. They want to make a difference in their job or see the value or the impact they're making. And so I think the enemy's done a really good job of like, well, let's get pastors to not preach about how God is a means to prosperity, but God is a means to your purpose. Mm-hmm. And and when he doesn't fulfill your purpose, right. then he's abandoned you, I guess. Yeah. Um, so he's simply like a stepping stone instead of to money, but to purpose. And uh, yeah, I just think he has not abandoned us. We. We abandoned him. Like he's just a means to our mission and our name even. Yeah. I, uh, two things came up when, as you said all that, and really looking at this lie of of God has forgotten about us, so we should just forget about him. Um, one is Paul in Philippians. I've learned the secret to being content. And that's in any circumstance. You know, obviously he's literally writing that from a prison cell type of thing. Uh, but then I look at the book of Judges and the call of Gideon. You know, Gideon is, is hiding from the Midianites. Um, and then the angel comes to speak to him and he says, the Lord is with you. 
And Gideon's like, like, what do you mean? Like how? Like look around. Like, like obviously God is not with us. That this God has forgotten about us. Um, and then God speaks to him and says, "Go, you're going to do this, for I will be with you." Type of thing. And I love looking at that. That that in the midst of the circumstances around us, God reminds Gideon that, "Hey, I'm with you." And we get that reminder from Jesus too. You know that that you go and make disciples of all nations, for I will be with you always. Type of thing. Um, and, and I think that, like you just mentioned, but allowing the circumstances surrounding us um, to to affect our worship and our belief of God is a very uh, just real thing that we're seeing all over like yeah. if we see the the deconstruction happening of of the faith and so which is insane uh, to even look at that um, but also just understanding that when we worship God based on circumstances, whether it's it's good circumstances or bad circumstances, sometimes when life is bad, that's when that's the only time we seek God, um, and we worship when we worship God in either one of those, it's not going to be sustainable in our relationship with Him. And so it's that that learning the secret of being content. That way, no matter what happens, whether our plans are aren't you know set forth, we believe that God has you know obviously a, a different plan for us type of thing. Um, but it's also just trusting and. and desiring to have that relationship with him, uh, most importantly. And so, uh, God has forgotten about you. Um, so don't, so forget about him. Hopefully, um, our prayer is that people believe that God has not forgotten about them, that he is with them uh, yeah. type of thing. And so I'd say, man, I, I think you're spot on. It was like the scorecard should not be, is God helping get you faster and closer to where you want to be? Right. But, uh, just is God simply with you? Like, uh, I love how you say, Hey, and I will be with you. Mm -hmm. um, I think of Joseph a lot in that because it's like, this dude yeah. had a lot of reason to forget about God. It, I, I would have <laughs> felt like God forgot about me if it been years. I'm like, bro, I all I did was wear a coat my dad gave me. Yeah. And now I get put in the ground. I get then sold to slavery. Then I get lied about. Then I get put into prison. It's like, then these, even these guys, like it just keeps getting worse. Mm -hmm. That uh, if there's ever a person that feels like they should forget about God, uh, it's him. And, but the one thing I love about Joseph's story is it says what the phrase you just said is, it said, and God was with him yeah. and God was with him. Like over in over. all these seasons, like uh, when he was with Potiphar, when he was in prison it said, and God was with him. And think of the scorecard can be, and not, yeah. Hey, am I where I want to be? It's more, is God seem like he's with me? Mm. Uh, which again, you can't just like, it's not all on him. We need to want to yeah. like, fight for that. There's a personal responsibility. Yeah, on this, yeah. Uh, you, you can't stay married and, never given to that relationship and it's only one way like yeah. uh and god will do more work than we will ever do but uh i just think yeah god is with us god is with you um i, I think that's a great place to yeah to close it but i i think yeah god has not forgotten about a lot of us but we have lastly i want to say too is life is not supposed to be easy uh, <laughs> right, yeah. like it's not like we're following a god and jesus that then became king Easily, he mm -hmm. literally got tortured. Uh, and this is a God who said, there will be suffering and like right. you'll be a lamb among wolves. Like there's so many things that make it not an attractive <laughs> thing. Like everyone leaves him uh, at certain points. Um, in this world, there there will be trouble, but I've overcome the world. Like, yeah. And so I don't know where the promise or the idea of if you follow him, things will be easy. But right. uh, I think this generation is going to need that kind of confidence and strength to know, no, actually it is going to be hard. We see that in the world mm -hmm. and let's be 
wisest serpents and innocent adults in love the world. That. Man, Grant, thanks for taking time to be in our podcast. Uh, love the wisdom that you shared, looking at these different lies and really combating those lies with truth. Uh, and man, I appreciate you praying for you uh, as you continue on uh, the ministry that God's called you to, man. I appreciate you.